Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at the place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Well, great words. Do please have a seat and um, uh, turn back to Jonah 4 in your Bibles. Uh, It's on page 928. Always quite hard to find the book of Jonah, isn't it? Surprisingly hard. Page 928. Um, Great to see you here this morning. My name's Andy. If we haven't met, I'll be just on the door at the end and I'd love to meet you. But we're going to spend the next little while looking at Jonah 4 together. And I'm going to pray for the Lord's help as we come to look at it. So let's pray. Our Lord God, we pray that this morning, as we come to this passage, that your word would be our guide, your Holy Spirit, our teacher, and your glory, our supreme concern. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me ask you, have you ever been angry with the Lord God? Are you angry with God this morning? I guess um, I have met one or two people in my life who've come right out and said, Andy, I'm just so angry with God at the moment. But I guess that for most of us, uh, certainly for, for Christian people, we probably feel shy of using those exact words or describing it in that way. But at the same time, I can, 
I can think of a time in my life when I was deeply frustrated with my circumstances and, um, and felt unsupported by people and frankly was quite short-tempered with the people around me. And, and looking back, at least in some ways, I was angry with the God who had put me in those circumstances or left me in them. Uh, I think of a friend I was talking to a while back who, who chose to serve the Lord in a particularly self-sacrificial way in her church and it, it had been hard over the time she'd been doing it. She felt underappreciated, unthanked, and frankly, she said that her and her husband felt bitter and cold in lots of ways as they thought about their service as Christians. Um, or I think, about, um, I think about Christian friends who are so animated and angry when they talk about the loss of influence of Christians in the public square and in politics these days. And, and underneath it all, are we angry with God and how he's governing the world in which we live? I, I think it's more common than we might think for believers to be angry with God and the way that he chooses to govern his world. Well, we're um, in the uh, final week of our little series looking at the Old Testament book of Jonah together. And in Jonah 4, we discover that Jonah is an angry man. Uh, in fact, um, Jonah 4 is the first chapter that really lifts the lid on Jonah's motives and intentions. And we see inside his heart for the first time. And we realize that all through the story... The thing driving Jonah has been an anger at God and his compassion. It was, it was anger that led God, according to verse 2, um, to run away from God when God told him to go to the foreign city of Nineveh and preach there. And it was in spite of Jonah's anger that God turned his life around and sent him back to Nineveh to tell them of his judgment and his mercy to that foreign city. I don't know if you ever read the, uh, the Mr. Men books by Roger Hargreaves growing up, or maybe you've read them to your own children, but um, the Mr. Men books, you know, you've got Mr. Strong and Mr. Happy and Miss Naughty and all those sorts of characters, and um, they have one particular dominant attribute, and the whole story turns on the fact that they have that attribute, and we learn in Jonah 4 that Jonah really is Mr. Angry. That is the thing that's driven him through this story. And Jonah 4 lifts the lid on his anger. In fact, there's a very simple question at the heart of the chapter. It's there in verse 4. The Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? Jonah, are you right to be angry with God and his character and the way that he chooses to govern the world? Because, of course, Jonah 4 not only lifts the, heart on jo uh, the, the, lifts the lid on Jonah's heart... It also lifts the lid on the Lord's heart, on God's purposes and intentions in this book and in his world. And, and really the key truth we're going to see in Jonah 4, uh, this is for you if you're likely to fall asleep later on, maybe if you're in the very warm section over there, okay? Jonah 4, God is far more merciful than Jonah is and far more merciful than we are often. That's the key truth we're going to see, and it's the truth that animates Jonah's anger. Uh, three ways we'll see it this morning. Firstly, we see that the Lord's mercy extends further than ours. The Lord's mercy extends further than ours. Look again at chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what the Ninevites did and how they turned from their evil ways, 
He had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. But Jonah, Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah wants to reverse the repentance that we saw in Jonah chapter 2. He's like the, uh, the angry child who snatches their ball and says, I don't want to play anymore. He's so disappointed with the situation. God, if this is how you're going to do things, I'd rather be dead, frankly, says Jonah. And we get a couple of important hints why he is so angry in this first little paragraph, this prayer of Jonah's. First of all, notice what he says in verse 2. Is this not what I said when I was still at home, when I was still in my country, when I was still in Israel? Jonah has a very local view of things, very concerned for his own home, his own country. And then look how he describes God in verse 2. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, um, uh, that description is roughly a quote from Exodus 32, a bit further back in the history of Israel in the Old Testament. And it's a, it's a stunningly ironic um, thing to describe God as here, really, because um, in Exodus 32, it's really the high point of God's merciful character on show in the Old Testament. The, um, the people of God had been rescued out of Egypt in the Exodus. God had been so kind to them and they treated him terribly. They made um, golden idols, fake gods, and they said, these are the gods that rescued us out of Egypt. And God was rightly angry with them, but Moses prayed to God to forgive them and he did. Wonderfully, Exodus 32 shows us God's character is to have compassion and mercy on people, even people who treat him very badly. But you see, Jonah wants mercy for himself and has no hunger to share it with others. He wants mercy at home, but not mercy abroad. Uh, you, You know when you get a takeaway delivered to your home. I know it was the last time you did that. The, the delivery driver comes or whatever it is and they ring on the doorbell and, oh, thanks very much. You take the takeaway and then you close the door and great, it's yours. Enjoy it. Probably don't, very often at least, run down the street knocking on everyone's doors saying, have some, share it, try some. And Jonah sees God's mercy like that. It's to be had for him, but it's not something to be shared and taken abroad. And Jonah's forgotten what Israel was for and what the church is for. Uh, God made a promise to Abraham that he would bless him and make him a great nation, the nation of Israel, but so that he could be a blessing to others. Uh, God had rescued the people in the Exodus so that they could be a light to the nations. And the same is true of the Christian church. 
Jesus rescues us and he says, go and make disciples of every nation, teaching them to obey what I've commanded you. God's mercy is always meant to overflow to the ends of the earth. His horizons are far bigger than ours. His mercy extends far further than ours so often does. I don't know if you're the sort of person who likes um, uh, a small gathering of, of two or three friends, or you're more the sort of big party kind of a person. Uh, I remember being invited, um, at a previous church I was at, we had a, a Nigerian friend called Mercy, who'd just been in the UK for a year or so, and um, she invited us to her son's birthday party. And we sort of had it in our, our heads, I don't know why, that it was going to be your sort of British, you know, four or five people from church, a bit of cake, quite a quiet thing. Uh, when we got there, honestly, half of the Nigerian community of North London was rammed into this family's flat. Plus just about everyone they knew from school, everyone from our church. You had to to sort of slot yourself into the available few centimetres of space in this flat. And it was just packed full of all kinds of different people. And you see, the Bible says that God's purpose for his kingdom, for heaven, for the new creation, well, it's more like the party at Mercy's flat than the three or four people who are like me that I have round for a dinner party. He has a purpose to to draw to himself a people from every tribe and tongue and nation, a great party to enjoy God forever. God's mercy is always meant to overflow to all kinds of people and to every nation. And Jonah is angry because his mercy is so much smaller so much more local, so much more parochial. God's mercy is meant to send us across the street, across town in plants and grafts, where, yes, the kids' work will be less sorted and the service is less comfortable, but a new community will be reached. God's mercy is meant to send us across the world to people who've never heard about Jesus before. And actually, if we feel cold about that idea, if we feel very happy to receive mercy, but very frustrated by the thought that God would call us to pass that mercy on, then Jonah 4 is a challenge to have hearts that beat with the heartbeat of God, to have compassion and mercy that extends to the ends of the earth. Two stats for you quickly before we move on. Uh, The first one is from that Vision 2020 booklet, so you might have seen it before, but um, we heard at Vision 2020 that um, any given Sunday, roughly 2% of people in this region are in a Church Church of England church of any description. So if you just do the maths the other way, that means 98% of people in this region aren't hearing about Jesus and about God's mercy Sunday by Sunday. And if that doesn't make us itch to do something, to say something to someone, to pray, to give, well, Jonah 4 shows us that God's mercy extends far further than that. And I'll never be happy in my relationship with God. There'll always be frustration until my heartbeat beats with his. Uh, Here's the other one. Um, I heard in the last couple of weeks and can't get out of my head, a third of people in the world today are unreached. That is, they live in a country where there are no Christians for them to hear the gospel from. There's no one to invite them or speak to them of God's mercy. A third of people. And if that doesn't make us itch to do something, to say something, to pray, to give, to go, 
Well, God's mercy extends far further than ours often does, and I will never be happy, never really satisfied in my relationship with God until my heart beats with his on these things. Uh, The Lord's mercy extends further than ours. Secondly, um, we see in Jonah 4 that the Lord's mercy is far more patient than ours. The Lord's mercy is more patient than ours. There's no doubt in this chapter, as in the whole book, that God is very patient with Jonah. Jonah says to his creator, it'd be better for me to die than to live, in verse 3, And by now, at this point in the book, we might just be tempted to think God should take him up on the offer, frankly. But God doesn't. Instead, verse 4, God patiently asks him a question. Have you any right to be angry? And when Jonah won't answer the question, God teaches him an object lesson about gardening. Verse 5, Jonah went out and sat at a place east of the city, He made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it'd be better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. Notice how patient God is with Jonah, patiently asking him, patiently working to teach him. Uh, We'll think in a minute about the lesson, the content of the lesson, but let's just think about the way that God teaches Jonah here. The Lord gives Jonah this little kindness, this vine, and Jonah is very happy. First time he's been happy in the whole book. But then the Lord sends different circumstances. The Lord provides a worm and a scorching east wind. He, he changes things up for Jonah. He, he takes away that little thing, and Jonah is very angry with God again. Do you see how Jonah believes that God should treat him in a certain way? Jonah's got a clear plan for how God ought to treat him, and when God doesn't treat him like that, he is very angry with God. He hates what God is doing in his life. He wants to die But we, the readers, see a bigger perspective, don't we? We see God's perspective. We see how patiently the Lord is teaching Jonah, patiently correcting his thinking and showing him his own heartbeat. Now, I have to apologize if you're French here this morning. Um, I, I hated learning French in school. I was just never much good at it. And I made it uh, my, my goal throughout school to avoid doing my French homework as often as I possibly could. There were one or two people nodding just a bit too emphatically as I described this, so I know I'm not the only one. Um, my dad was very keen for me to, um, to work hard at all the subjects in school. And so we frequently had quite pointed conversations about whether I had done my French homework. He actually punished me quite often for not doing my French homework. And you see, that's what, that's what we do when we love our children, isn't it? When we love our children, we, 
we discipline them. We, um, uh, we sometimes punish them. We, we direct them in the way that we should go, and they don't always enjoy it. And the Bible says the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Here is Jonah in comfortable circumstances and hard, and God is patiently teaching him. Now look, this isn't the whole of what the Bible says about pain and suffering in our lives. The Bible's got rich and complex and satisfying answers to the big questions of pain and suffering in our world. But, but here is one of the things that the Bible says. If you're a Christian here today, God will lovingly discipline you. It won't always be comfortable, but God will patiently teach you to trust him because his mercy is far more patient than our plans. The Lord cares about your heart more than your comfort. The Lord cares about our holiness more than our happiness in this given moment. Now, of course, holiness is the root to an eternal happiness, but God will lead us to that holy happiness through all kinds of circumstances. And sometimes as Christians... We hate what God is doing in our lives because we have a plan and we think God should behave according to our plan. But Jonah 4 tells us that he has a bigger, more patient and more merciful purpose for the world. His mercy is far more patient than ours. And if I expect God to behave according to my plan, if I feel entitled and say God ought to give me these things in life, I will often be frustrated and angry with the Lord in his merciful purposes to me. See the heartbeat of God as he patiently is merciful to Nineveh, but also to Jonah in Jonah 4. Third thing we see, the Lord's mercy is more compassionate than ours. The Lord's mercy is more compassionate than ours. Look again at verse 10 with me, if you will. But the Lord said... You've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? See, here's the content of the lesson of the vine Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a great gardener. I don't know if you're good at gardening. I'm probably not the guy you want to ask to help you. I have no competence in that area at all. But there are a number of very keen gardeners in my family. And one of the things that strikes me about people who love gardening is how much energy and effort and commitment and passion they pour into their gardens You know, on our sort of family shared photo stream, um, we get loads of pictures of different members of the family's gardens because they care about them and they've really worked hard at them. And you see, the Lord says to Jonah, look at that plant that you didn't do anything to grow it at all. You loved that plant because of what it gave you. You were angry when it was destroyed. And here is this large city full of people and animals. And the Lord God is like a gardener who cares for it. God made everyone and everything in the world. God says, I made them. I know them by name. I know their joys and their sorrows, their cares. I know when they don't know their right hand from their left. I sustain their every breath. 
And Jonah, you expect me not to care about them even as much as you care about this little plant that grew up and helped you. I think it's easy to dismiss Jonah as we read this book, isn't it? We can say, oh, Jonah's just, um, he's just a bit racist, isn't he? He just doesn't really like Ninevites very much, or he's overly nationalistic or something like that. But I think that rather misses the point of Jonah's character. Because Assyria, the nation that Nineveh was the capital of, Israel's neighbors, was a dangerous and hostile state. In modern terms, we'd call it a terrorist state. They were the people who would pillage the towns and villages of your country and kill everyone they met. They were people who had hurt Jonah and his family and his, uh, and his nation. And the challenge of Jonah 4 is that the Lord God even cares about Nineveh that the Lord God even cares about the worst of people, that he doesn't see enemies in the way we often do, but people in need of mercy and forgiveness, even the people who have hurt us, even the people we struggle to forgive, the Lord God will reach out in mercy to. Just think... Uh, for a moment about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've read the Gospels, uh, the Lord Jesus spoke words of judgment, didn't he? When people rejected God, when they were hostile to him, he spoke words of judgment. But he was also full of compassion to every kind of person that he met. Never has a more loving person walked the earth. And Jesus went to a cross for people who treated him terribly, people who lived like his enemies, unlovable people like us. And he bore God's right judgment in our place. Jonah 4 challenges us because we love the lovable, don't we? I love the people who help me, who are kind to me, who are like me, who are nice to me. But God loves his enemies. He gave life to and cares for Even the wicked people of Nineveh, his mercy is far more compassionate than ours often is. C.S. Lewis wrote this. To be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable in others because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. And that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus, isn't it? That's the gospel of Jonah 4, a God who is compassionate to inexcusable people like us and others. God is much more merciful than Jonah. To be honest, he's much more merciful than we are quite a lot of the time. Uh, Did you notice how the book, it ends on a question? It's a striking thing, isn't it? It doesn't end by telling us how Jonah responded. We can probably infer that he learned a lot through this process because, you know, he wrote the book. He wrote it down. But it ends with a question. Doesn't God have the right to be merciful to these people, to be a God of compassion and kindness? How will Jonah answer the question we're left wondering How will we answer the question? Are we angry with God because of his character and the way that he chooses to govern the world? 
Are you angry with what God is doing in your life right now? Or will we see his heartbeat for mercy to us and to the ends of the earth and see how right it is? God is far more merciful than we usually think. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing. Loving God, we pray that you would please grow us through any means necessary in our faith in you so that our hearts would beat with your heartbeat for mercy to the ends of the earth, to all kinds of people, and yes, even to us. In Jesus' name, amen.